Hi, welcome to the Sage Real Stories podcast, where we are hearing from real women who have a story to share. As women, we face many different challenges as we navigate through this thing called life. But no matter what it is, someone has been there, has been through those woods and charted a path. Hearing these stories can be so valuable. They can inspire us, empower, make us feel like we aren't alone. And we can connect in a special way through these shared life experiences. At Sage, we're taking it one step farther and we are connecting you with that woman who has the story you need to hear. To have a conversation where you can ask questions and have a mutually meaningful connection. All of the sages on our platform and podcast series are open to having that connection with you. If there is a speaker you hear on this podcast series that resonates with you, email hello at sagelink.com and we will connect you. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy this sage real story. I realized a few weeks ago that amazing sages are literally in my backyard and Melissa Spratt is one of them, a Connecticut resident who has an incredible story to share. She is a mama, a warrior, a writer. She's been through a roller coaster ride, as many of us have throughout her life of mental health uh, struggles, difficulties, obstacles, but she's learned tools, um, importantly, self-care and outlets and is really passionate about sharing her story, especially with other women, to help know that we're not alone in this, right? And of course, like all the other sages on our podcast, Melissa is open to you reaching out for a conversation and a chat to continue, ask her any questions. If this, if her story resonates with you, you can hop on a call and connect with her. I'm so excited. I'm honored to have this platform to use my voice, share my story. And this is our first in-person podcast for both of us yes. <laughs> in this cozy barn and space. So thank you so much. Um, so today I'm going to share my story, but it's not just my story. It's your story as well. It's really about the human connection, how we each have our journey, our experiences, our struggles. And I truly believe we have the strength to overcome this. My journey starts in childhood, just like all of us. As a girl, I struggled a lot with anxiety and emotions. I wanted to be validated and heard, not dismissed, not that it's okay, don't worry. And I don't think that I had that safe space you look at generations, right? And our parents, they yeah. they came from generations where they didn't have a lot. They worked really hard. It was different. It was different. It was There was a completely different communication and mentality. You are seen and not heard, actually, I think is really from the, their generation, our parents' generation. Children are seen and not heard. Never mind. What are you feeling, Melissa? Right. You know, it was different. I agree. And, and woman, if we think back to, you know, my parents' mothers, they were probably giving birth in a hospital alone. And their husbands were, or their partners were outside in the hallway or at home. 
So if you think about all this, it does My make sense. My father was playing golf when I was born. Oh, he's playing golf. Oh, <laughs> well, your mom's in, in labor and pain and, you know, yeah. being a warrior, right? <laughs> and so it does make sense in that maybe my parents didn't have the ability to understand or emotionally regulate and therefore validate what I needed. Mm -hmm. And so if you may guess, this, this segued for me into poor self-esteem going into middle school. Then I, I had a traumatic friendship. So I was friends with someone that was troubled and I was not in safe spaces or safe place with this person. And so now I go into middle school and, you know, middle school is a very challenging time. Yeah. My daughter's there now. And, and, and now we have social media and a lot more yeah. that we have to take into consideration. So there's a lot of different societal factors now playing out. Right. And so self-esteem, body image, the need for safety and control, all of that started to form for me. So by the time I got into high school, I developed an eating disorder, mental illness. And actually the ones that I'll reference is from NAMI. They say that 50% of all mental illness is developed by age 14, 50%, and then 75% by age 24. So that tells you that mental illness develops in our youth. That's really important. If you have a special relationship with someone that's young or your parent in high school, I really, really struggled. And it is then that my parents helped me get support. So I did get a therapist, a nutritionist, and this is in high school. Yeah, this is in high school. And was it bulimia, anorexia? Anorexia. I was just really in a bad space and I didn't love myself. And it makes me sad because I feel like I've lost so much time not loving myself. However, it brought me to my path of today where now I can share this story and I'm sharing self-love and self-care practices for other women. I always wanted to get help. I was very motivated. I wanted to, to go to college. I wanted a career. My parents helped me get that support. Then as I go off to college, one of the requirements was actually that I have a health team up there. Was your health at risk? I mean, were you medically? Yeah. Recovery is not linear. So you make progress, you go forwards and backwards. In college, I found the love of my life, my husband today, and I made friends and I started finding myself, but I also still struggled with my eating disorder. And I sought at one point, um, different levels of treatment, outpatient, inpatient during the summer. And I kept doing this and growing and evolving and healing. Well, at that point, do you think was the biggest help in your journey to overcome your eating disorder? Because, you know, I think those are very, very deeply in, embedded thoughts. I would say the mental piece of it, the therapy to actually you know, understand why you developed the eating disorder and trying to change the patterns. Right. Yes, the physical piece is really important. And so you do need resources and support there, but the mental health and 
having a therapist getting through that was also really key. Who can help you understand why it developed in the yes. first place. Yeah, With coping skills. Right. Well, it's wonderful. You had those resources. Yeah. A lot of women don't. So now you're in, you meet your husband, mm -hmm. you're in college. Yes. Yep. Is that kind of where, and you're mostly healed from your eating disorder, would you say at this point? I would say towards the, the latter end of college, I felt like I was in a really good place in recovery. Okay. Maybe not exactly where I need it to be weight-wise still, but in a much better space. Did being in a serious relationship, now you've met the love of your life, there's a lot at stake. Did it ever, did you ever feel a regression in your eating disorder, kind of being in this relationship that was really important to you or not? Not in this relationship. My husband, he was always so respectful mm -hmm. and it is really hard to understand the thoughts behind an eating disorder and he he tried he's always tried and he's always provided support and respected me respected my body and so definitely not with the relationship there was another turning point after college when i graduated and i did end up going back to new jersey where i grew up to work for the family business and it just wasn't it, it was a growth opportunity but it was also not a healthy space for me there was a lot of stress mm -hmm. There's some misogyny, you know, that, and, and like, I'm, just, I'm seen as just a young girl in the industry because we did work with government and manufacturing, which is traditionally a really male dominated industry. So there was some of that, but just the stress of like also wanting to help and help employ, keep hundred people employed was a lot. And I just, my body took it all in and it had a really negative impact. Yeah. Even though it was a great growth opportunity. During that time, though, I met one of my wonderful mentors. And I feel like we were, we knew each other in a past life. Like that is the connection that we had. And she showed me my power, my strength, and like who I really was. And started. A career mentor? Or yes. A life mentor? I would say both. Okay. Both. Yes. And even to this day, it's like we're, we're linked to each other. We live in, she lives in Pittsburgh and I live here in Connecticut. Um, and we don't chat all the time, but it's like we, we made like really positive impacts on each other's lives. Um, and she was a big piece of my healing as well, having that mentor. Talk a little bit now about your, your life with your husband. So you kind of sorted out the career piece, mm -hmm. had this wonderful mentor that came in. Amazing. I mean, it's, it's amazing. Sometimes the universe just gives you a gift, right? Yes. When you need it, it sounded like that was yes, her. It was. She was. That is beautiful. Tell me now, you got married. What is married life like? And where is your career now at this point? And we were there for a few years. We lived there. He did get a job there while I continued to work for family. And I don't think he really, now that I live here, I realize how special the community is mm -hmm. and he didn't really love living there. And so eventually, anyway, the business was sold and everybody moved on into their own paths. My husband got a job here in Connecticut where he grew up. And so we relocated here and then I just got a job 
quickly thereafter in aerospace. Is that a weight off your shoulders? Yes. Yes. Yes, it was. It was like the universe was making it all happen. And Mm -hmm. like, it was like putting us on the path and the place that we were meant to be. Amazing. Yeah. But some trials up ahead. (laughs) Yeah. So all smooth sailing. And it's like, you know, this is life, right? So there are always going to be trials and tribulations. Tell me what that was for you next. Yeah. So we settled here for a couple of years and then I felt this calling that I was ready. We, I wanted a, a child and I was never really sure. I, I think especially having had an eating disorder and you know what that meant, like, how do I feel the child? What will it do to my body? Yeah. I was scared to have a child, but I felt that I wanted a child. And so we did try and we conceived and I was so happy. Um, we went to one of our ultrasounds. It was around nine weeks and there was no heartbeat. Mm. And even now I just have to like sit in silence because it was that it was sitting in silence. Like what shock, pure shock. And you think nine weeks is a short amount of time, but when you're spending days elated about this new journey you're about to embark on and that there's this beautiful being inside of you feeling that hope you know day after day and and then you go to what it should be just a routine ultrasound yeah and that hope is and that elated feeling is just yeah and it felt cold too and for others that have been through miscarriage and I wrote a poem about this, it felt like, you know, the doctors have seen so many miscarriages and it just felt cold. And then you go back home and, you know, you have to make decisions. Do you let this, you know, do you let this pass at home or do you do a DNC? I did decide on the DNC and I sat there that night in my husband's arms crying all night. So it was really traumatic. Um, And also on the flip side, it was transformational and healing because it was after this that again, you know, I kept going through these, these struggles and I decided I was not doing well. And a part of me, I feel like I knew something was off. I did have cramps and I don't feel that I was ever in the space that maybe I needed to be mentally and physically at the weight that I level that I needed to be. I had some spotting in my menstrual cycle. So that might've been a hormonal sign. Right. So after this, I found a therapist actually closer to where I work that specializes in this area, motherhood, loss, pregnancy, postpartum. Good for you. I mean, I feel like I'm seeing a theme here all along. You are taking steps. You are saying I'm not okay. And I want better for myself. Yeah, I was really hopeful for for life and the things that I want. And so I did seek help again. And this person was so connected um, that I found a wonderful midwife group here in, in Brand- North Brantford and New Haven, and then also a nutritionist. And so being proactive with your own health and trying to be educated and find a team of people different resources that support you is so important as you go through your different struggles and experiences. I just got to be in a lot healthier space 
with their support, working hard. And I wrote a lot about miscarriage in, in, in my journal. And then some months later, we did conceive our rainbow baby. Amazing. And you felt like you were in a better headspace. Yes. Tell me about the journaling. So you started journaling when? And how did journaling help you? And so journaling, I started when I was working, I think, for my family, when I lived in New Jersey, I started journaling, I think when I was like ready to like move on from that space and time and going through some of that stress. And it's something that I did pick up as a coping skill Mm -hmm. along the way with therapy and, and the different treatments that I received. And so I started then, and then I, you know, would do, write in spurts. That's interesting. So journaling was something that was going to help you move forward. I think of journaling, and I, I want to touch on this journaling because mm-hmm. it's, it's really becoming quite popular as a therapeutic modality for people. Um, it's almost become trendy. There's apps for journaling, and I think yeah. people are catching on to the healing of it. But it's interesting what you said. I started journaling to move forward from that. Tell me about that. Because when I've journaled, it's more reflective. Like I want to document something that's happened or kind of reflect on something that's happened. Tell me how you use journaling to move forward. I think that, you know, it's a release of your emotions and what you, so part of it is you might release all your emotions and it should be released without and put in there and without judgment. It's a way to do it without judgment, but also writing about the future and manifesting, right? Your dreams, writing down what, what it is that you want to do. I love that. Yeah. And and it could be both. It can be reflective and looking at the past and doing some inner child work Mm -hmm. and shadow work. It could be what I call release journaling, just letting it all out, whatever your thoughts and emotions are. It could be manifesting where you're visualizing. You started writing poetry. Was that more of the manifesting piece or was that just more creative? Yeah, that was creative and it just came to me. And it usually was inspired by a beautiful moment, a challenge or often nature. So looking at flowers or trees and their symbolism whether it was like strength i wrote about you know lotus the strength of that willow tree and the protection that and yeah it's inspiration from my experiences but also the beauty around me there's just one more hurdle you had to get past (laughs) you have your rainbow baby right have my rainbow baby life is wonderful again yes in my third trimester, so my daughter was due May 2020. So I'm in my third trimester. 2020. Yeah, March 2020, we are all sent home to work, which was great being home in my third trimester, not doing the drive and being in the office, but we there was so much unknown. And now we know on the other side what happened. And so I had my daughter May 18th, 2020 in the pandemic. So between contractions, you know, I'm getting COVID swabs and, you know, my husband's in a mask the whole time and it's scary. And then we get home 
knowing we're going to be alone. We had no prior experience with children. We didn't babysit. We, this was our first time. So it's all the first and we were very isolated. We didn't, we did obviously lack of sleep, which is normal anyway, with having a newborn. Family probably didn't, there was no family visiting. No family. We were, we were, our visits were looking outside the glass door. And I know a lot of moms went through this experience with me and also tapping back into that highly sensitive personality that I have, I do deeply feel. And sometimes it it was a struggle for me to regulate my emotions and everything was just very anxiety producing. And I did have some intrusive thoughts, which were normal. And I was still seeing my therapist via telemed that I had started seeing in for my miscarriage. Okay. So it was helpful to, to see her. And at one point I did end up saying, you know what, I, I think I need the medication. And I did go on medication and it helped a lot, but I was in my mater- on my maternity leave, wearing a mask, walking outside. And that's all I could do. And I just, I wish it was so hard. It was so hard. And I wish that I enjoyed the moments now that I, you know, see how fast your child grows and you know, how I'm starting to enjoy that and the presence of it. But I didn't, and and I wish I could go back, and I can't. But I learned. But it, when you're going through it, it's so easy to say now that you you know yeah. should have appreciated. You should have. But they were very difficult circumstances. You're sleep deprived. You're hormonal. You have a a you know baseline kind of mental health stuff yeah. and isolation, uh, even from your family. No support. Difficult situation. Any way you slice it. Very difficult. Very difficult. So how did you get through that, Melissa? I, I, I did have some help. I just had, had yes, some medication. medication yes. And then there was one day I had this calling. I can't explain it, but basically I felt the need that I, I wanted to write a poetry collection. And then I realized, I, I look back in my journal and I'm like, I wrote dozens of poems and I have written a lot. And then the chapters and everything became so clear to me. And I wrote more poetry on motherhood, especially what we're talking about being a mother in a pandemic, figuring out breastfeeding, which also was a challenge for me. And so I wrote about that. I formed all these different chapters from all these experiences. And I realized through this that I'm creative and we all have gifts. And I released the poetry collection earlier this year. And now I'm trying to build a community and share the story and also share self-care tips, self-love. I'm doing the inner work. I continue to do the inner work and grow and evolve. And there's, I want to do self-care workshops. And one thing that's really important for mothers and women is that self-care is not selfish. And there's so many. 100%. It's not selfish. It's, it's, it's so important to fill it, your cup. It, you fill your cup so then you can, like in the airplane, you take your oxygen so you can then help because you're no use if you yes. don't have oxygen. Exactly. And I realize I'm the best version of me when I feel like I've had, I've, I've focused on my self-care and this, these are the things I'm sharing now. And I... I'm grateful for the experiences that I've had because I do feel that it's put me on this path 
And I just realized that we all have these, our journeys, that we are not alone. We are not alone. And yeah, look at the going, camera. Others are that. That's so powerful. Others Tell are going, them. we are not alone. We are all going through our different experiences yeah. and life is not easy, but it is beautiful and that there is light, there is hope. Tell me a little more about the self-work. So you, you just breezed by, you're like, yeah, things got better. After, <laughs> you know, I want to go back because I feel like in that tough time before you had this aha moment or this, well, it wasn't really an aha moment, but more of a, you know, realization that you have this creative outlet with poetry. What was the self-work along with the therapist that you were working with and needing some medication? What was this self-work that you were doing through that time? I really feel like it was figuring out my sole purpose that I found my confidence. I found this energy. And in addition to this, I started reading. I love doing self-love workbooks. And right now I'm doing Awaken Your Inner Goddess, Shadow Work. And um, through the book, through that process, I found myself. I found who I am. My hormones, you know, I'm at, a, I'm at a healthy weight. I don't have those hormonal issues. I'm learning as a mom every day, and that's not easy, but she teaches me things. And now I get to like what? She, <laughs> to be present in the moment, to yeah. embrace the slow. Mm -hmm. And also, one thing that I'm really working on as a mom is validating her emotions and communicating. Oh and talking about our body and all the things that I'm breaking the generational pattern. Yeah. So, wow. And you, you mentioned being present. You also mentioned in your poetry kind of being present. Uh, what are your, what are your practices for being, for really being present? I know your daughter slows you down yeah. and you, you enjoy the moments with her, but go a little deeper into that. I think it is so important. Yeah. So I've really developed a wonderful self-care routine over the last two years as I have found myself through this process. And one of the things is it doesn't have to be, you know, an hour or two a day. I wake up in the morning early. So I wake up at 5.45 before work and I do 10 to 20 minutes of yoga or Pilates mm -hmm. and I sit down and I I kind of just sit there with gratitude. Like I'll name three things I'm grateful for and set my intentions for the day. So I'll pick two to three words. Um, so it might be like today, my focus is going to be courage or creativity and try to kind of create this energy for the day. And okay. you know, not all days start that way. Um, but I really try to do that. That's something three I've minutes a day. to do. You set your intentions. Yes. Does, do you think it helps? It, does it help? Do you remember them as you're going, like, you know, as long as you, you, I feel like you can do this practice and then you get to your job and you're bombarded with the yeah. noise, but does it stick with you? So I actually have a, a whiteboard that I write my words on once I, when I, once I start work, I'll put those on before. And so visually seeing that helps me. Idea. So what I say is do what works for you. So whether it's on the mat, in the shower, writing it in a journal, writing it on a board. And it really, really helps with my mindset for the day. Um, and so that's daily. Mm -hmm. And I'd like to try to also get 
a little bit of meditation in daily, even if it's five minutes, whether it's in the afternoon or the evening or it, or while I'm doing yoga in the morning. And it's hard. It is hard because whether or not you're working and you have a child, some days don't go as perfectly as you plan. And sometimes I feel off kilter when it does not go like that. And then there's the other things that I like to say I target once or twice a week, a couple times a week. So that is reading and taking once a week bath. It's just so healing. Yeah. Or a face mask. I should do that more. (laughs) Yeah. I actually created like a very simple tool for this. You say mind, body, spirit, and then daily, and then the frequency. So I do want to do a workshop on this daily, weekly, monthly, and kind of writing down what you want to do and using it as a guide. You should talk about this. So I'm having a a goat yoga session here at the barn. I love it. For moms, for self-care. And I would love for you to share that there. um, I would love to share As well. It's so important to have a toolbox. And I bet you the meditation part in the morning, does it help get to what you're setting your intention on? Because when I meditate, suddenly just things that are, I realize what's important through through like that moment of pause and meditation. Do you think it helps you set what your intentions are? How do you get to what those intentions are going to be in the morning? I think... I definitely think it helps. I also feel like it just helps with your nervous system and the energy and the calm that you feel. And it depends on how, you know, what you're meditating. Are you doing it guided and you're focusing on one thing and maybe it's that intention, right? Or it could be something different, but I do think that helps. And another thing that I I love while I'm working and I do work remotely. So it's, it's easy for me to do this and it may not be easy for someone else. Easier. I'm loving yes. podcast, obviously podcast guided meditation podcast, just listening to podcasts. Okay. So I'm listening to podcasts that basically tap into a lot of the things that may might like topics that would be as part of my intention. I mean, um, positivity, motherhood, you're continuing and you'll you'll listen to that podcast throughout the day. Yeah. Different, different variety of podcasts. And I feel like it just carries that intention and mindset through the day. I'm more of a morning person and that's why I do wake up earlier and do that at night. My body just feels a little bit more fried. Fried. (laughs) I call it mental mush. So get that. So that time doesn't work for me, but for some, it does. Some, some people love writing at nighttime. That's me. I'm more of a night person. I meditate at night, 20, 30 minutes, but in the morning I can, I can do maybe a few minutes, but my body's like, oh, it needs grease. It needs oil. Yeah. So, you know, you, you know, and I think it's just trying to figure out what it is that you want to do for self-care and what works for you, what works, what kinds of, what times will work best. And it does not have to be hours in the day. It could be 10 minutes. It could be 20 minutes. All of this probably, you know, totals 20 minutes for me a day, 20 to 30. And if you have to make a commitment to yourself, right? Like, yes, I can do 10 minutes for myself today. It's not too much (laughs) when you think about it that way, you know, I can take 10 minutes today. I can take 20 minutes just for myself. I'm going to go in a dark room and it's going to be my time. No one can argue with that. Because you're worthy and you deserve that. 
And that's another thing, affirmations. You know, you're worthy of self-care, of happiness, love, mm-hmm. and peace. And so that might be someone that something that someone wants to to use through their day. Yeah. That worthy thing is, you know, we glaze right by it, but it's very, very powerful because feeling unworthy it's guilt. It's a feeling of guilt. Yes. And that can really freeze you up. It can paralyze you. And if you feel that guilt and like you don't deserve, it's like this very closed feeling. Um, when you self-love is about opening and yeah. saying, oh, I am worthy. I, I am worthy of this. I see myself. It's, it's almost like you have to see yourself from an outside person. Yep. Because sometimes we carry that, that um, feeling of not good enough or not worthy, and we carry it within ourselves. But if we can shift, and it's something that, you know, an exercise I've done, and it can help with many things, imposter syndrome. And oh, all. yes. Um, but if you see yourself from, like, you're looking at yourself from someone who loves you, that's a really interesting mind shift. Yeah. For that unworthy piece. A lot of shifts, right? And and looking at removing those limiting beliefs. And there is a level of accountability in in improving your, you know, getting better if you need the help and doing self-care. But looking back now, it's almost come full circle. We're towards the end of your story. And I just dawned on me, you started with this middle schooler and in the eating disorder into high school this this kind of coming of age you and you wished so badly that she felt worthy I mean would you say that's kind of how you would encompass that you yes you said it in a little bit of a different way but and so now you are you know in this place where you have come to that the wise you the older you if you could, what would you say to her? Oh, that's a that's a good question. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, that she's beautiful, that she's worthy, that she deserves love and peace and happiness, and that the world around her is beautiful, and there's so much to see. There's so much beauty in her and around her, and that. I feel like I want to like apologize and, and forgive too. Mm. You know, I feel sad. I feel sad for that girl. Mm. But that I, you know, that I love her. I hear you now. Mm. And now I'm taking this with me to heal myself, inspire and inspire others. Yes. And my daughter. You have the power every day. We have the power to be that person that reminds others that they don't have to go through life feeling that way. And maybe you can't go back and tell your younger self, but you're telling women here through this podcast that maybe need to hear that too. And maybe need to have this moment of, you know, looking at themselves from that higher loved self so that these moments these points in our lives aren't kind of lived in a way that you lived in that place and happy and peaceful 
way. Enjoy life. So if we can gift that to other women listening, I think that would be the big message in your journey. It's going through the self-work so that we can be in a place of living our best life. I feel like um, the one of the best versions of myself. I'm excited because I keep learning and growing and, mm-hmm. and have the tools to you know, overcome what's ahead. It's an amazing feat to be a published author. Just <laughs> share, share about that. It's called My Roots Grow Strong and it really is all the roots, all the pieces of us um, that we just, we have the strength to overcome anything. Yes, 100%. That I, is I, the core of, that, of the book. Mm. And it's, it's just beautiful. For a whole year, I, I, I knew I wanted it to be illustrated and colorful. And I teamed up with a local illustrator out of Old Saybrook and we just merged our minds on that. And it just, everything came so naturally. And it's really just, it's just a beautiful book and it's very vulnerable. Motherhood, miscarriage, and also mental health. But the way I write about it is very healing and beautiful kind of encompassing the beautiful components of these difficult journeys uh, because you have that perspective now. Yes. That's powerful. See the beauty in your story. And here we are. Yes. (laughs) Seeing the beauty, hearing, hearing the beauty in your story. Melissa, thank you. Thank you, Linda. So much for sharing your journey for other women who may need to hear it. And if you would like to join us, any Connecticut listeners, um, Thanksgiving weekend, we are going to be having the goat yoga retreat for moms for self-care. So really aligned with this story today, there'll be a link in the bio where you can register. And there will be a link also to Melissa's book. If you want to check out that book, it sounds beautiful. And if you want to chat with Melissa, of course, email me at hello at sagelink.com. I will put you in touch. And thank you again. Thank you.